Hi, and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know. You guys, every, every day, mm-hmm. I try to tell the truth, mm. try to be honest. I try to, I, I try to just be, be really real about the way I go through my day. Mm-hmm. One could say, I'm keeping it 100. <laughs> that's such a bad point. That's <laughs> yeah. bad. No, that's pretty that. good. That yeah. Keeping it, your, yeah. Keeping it 100. Yeah. You guys... It's the hundredth episode. Fwah, 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 fwah. Fwah, fwah. This is a huge is milestone for us. Yeah. I'm I can't believe we like when we started out with just me and you, Graham, and a little tiny microphone with our cheeks pressed against each other so we could Don't you remember that? So we could both the microphone could hear both wow. of us? What? Yeah. Okay. We were sharing a chair. Really? We shared it. Yeah. <laughs> This He's painting a whole different picture. Sat my lap, okay, and we. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say this escalated in a very strange way. Good. Okay. But like, I never thought sitting of sitting in a windowless uh, portable at that point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, a small window. Okay. Great. Yeah. The cockroaches yeah. needed some sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I never thought that we would go this far. Right when we started, I thought we'd have like my mom listening mm-hmm. and a student and uh, started from the bottom. Is your now, mom still now we're here. Yeah. You're trying to say your mom isn't listening anymore? Oh, she no. definitely oh, listens, okay, but she's not the only listener, mm-hmm. I, I think, unless <laughs> she's listening a lot. A lot, and, a lot. And on, on a lot of different devices. On a lot yeah. of different yeah. devices. She's just, just really a, wants me to feel good about myself. Does so. this episode really count as number 100 if not all three of us were on those first 10? I mean, really, this is episode 90. Yeah, no, this is, this is like the technical episode 100, okay. but it's not the spiritual episode uh, 100. Yes, the good. spiritual episode 100 is going to be episode 100 and... 10, I guess. 10 or, yeah. 11, or 12 or whenever Meg be joined. Because that was when, that was when like, you know, the, the, the melody. The stars aligned. And the, the, the melody to our harmony. I don't know. That's what? when like. Uh, you mean it's when our episodes went from 20 minutes to an hour long? Yeah. Right? Okay, good, good. Okay, <laughs> no, when that missing piece came, when the, when a, a little window in our heart opened, we didn't know oh, it was there. Actually and Meg be joined the podcast. All fell into place. That's right. And the lock the, opened. The lock opened. To a secret to garden. Yeah, seriously. And, <laughs> secret garden. What's happening? And are we in that secret garden now? We've been in the secret garden. In a vault? We've yeah. been in the secret garden, gentlemen. What? A so let's. <laughs> I I refuse your Plan. distinction and yeah. choose to still be excited about number one hundred. Oh, sorry. Yes, I have. I'm I'm pumped. But yeah. Anyway, we welcome to classical stuff. You should know this is our hundredth episode. Um, uh, my name is AJ Hannenberg. I'm here with two of my best colleagues, Graham Donaldson. Hello. And Thomas Magby. Hey. And we are here to bring the classical world to you in a way that is palatable and fun and hopefully interesting, and I'm sure sometimes boring. And, but <laughs> Wait, you, what? But we, we try. Um, we're trying really hard over here yep. to make it fun for you. And, this is how uh, we introduce number episode 100. Sometimes we're boring. <laughs> can't make an omelet without... Breaking a few... Boring a few nope. holes. Still, nope. That's, I don't, you, you don't bore your omelets? No, apparently not. You mean like drill a hole yeah, into yeah, my yeah, egg yeah. to that's, then pour it out? Yeah, well, that's what we mean by boring. Yeah, naturally. <laughs> anyway. Um, the podcast like bore into your yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Sorry. Yeah. I took that the wrong way. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, welcome. And uh, today we're going to hear from Thomas. Hey, speaking about boring... No, I'm just kidding. Just to be clear, I was like, I don't think this should be episode 100. But anyway. I like the Enneagram. I think it's interesting. But I just, I want to keep the peace because I'm a number nine. That's so interesting. Anyway. I'm not, I'm not allowed to do that, right? Number myself? You're allowed to number yourself. Oh. I'm, so actually, I'm not supposed to number you. So mm. I'm wronging you every time I tell you that you're wrong about your type. I think more importantly, Graham, can you teach me how to make that noise? What's the excited noise you make at the beginning of? Fwah, fwah, fwah. Fwah, fwah, Is that how? Fwah, fwah. Yeah. Fwah, fwah. So F-W-A-H. Uh-huh. 
A A A H. Or if we're, oh, there's a there's a huh. If we're gonna take your pronunciation from last podcast, if that's the way it's spelled, it's fui 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 fui. It's all E's and it's pronounced A's. Still the best. Okay. So yes, today I'm going to be talking. Podcast is a living nightmare. Nightmare. Mirror. Nightmare. That's the best. Okay. So we will be talking about the enneagram today. The so. Uh, AJ's episode last time, my episode this time, Graham's episode next time, are taken from our Paideia conference uh, in Austin, Texas, every August. So, thank you. We, we had a listener show up, which was pretty cool. Yeah. So, oh, that was cool. That yeah. Really, yeah. 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 Listener who lives in Austin, Texas, yeah. who came to the conference and told us that you came because of us. What was her awesome. name? Carly? No, no. Callie? Um, did she sign a release to allow us to even? No, she see? didn't. Yeah. So, yeah. mysterious listener yeah, whose secret. name we can't yeah. remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, every August we have that uh, conference. So if, listener, you are interested, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, but if you're listening to this in an August, you should reach out about coming to Paideia. So all of our uh, topics, again, for these three weeks are adaptations of talks we gave at that camping conference. So the topic that uh, my, my the title for the topic I gave was the Enneagram and Paideia. So I forget the exact quote, but however many episodes ago when AJ read from the praise of folly and said that the job of pretentious people is to take, you know, two or three old words and expound on them for an hour is again, what I'll be doing this episode. I think that is the majority of my episodes. So. Uh, if they are hundred episode listeners to classical stuff, then they must enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, seriously, yeah. stuck around for any length of time. Yeah. So you're in the same boat as me. And if they're newbies, it's I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Like seriously. It's, they're shutting it down. Leave us a three star review saying that uh, we are uh, awkward, funny, not, funny funny oh, and if it? you've listened to all 100 episodes you were part of the centenary club and wow. leave us a review saying there... you're part of the centenary club yeah for sure is that all that you guys all that it gets you for listening to 100 episodes is getting to leave us maybe a review. we can there's something else we can figure out cook up i don't know we're gonna cook something for them you can send us an email that'd be cool i'd like to hear from people cool. who are 100 episode Around listeners 100 yeah that's fun classical stuff at veritasacademy.net okay so my topic is the is paideia and the enneagram Enneagram and Paideia, I don't remember the order. So we'll be talking about those two things today. So we have two big words to define. Let's start with Paideia. So gentlemen, we have a conference that is called the Paideia Conference. It is a word we throw around quite a bit. What is Paideia? Raising the man, the whole man, in virtue and wisdom. Disciplined crafting. But, oh. oh, sorry. <laughs> the disciplined crafting of the whole man in wisdom and virtue. Okay. Something like that. What does that mean? That's the, that's the definition that we say a lot that has now been haphazardly memorized by me, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it is the, it's essentially the civilizing of yes. child to adult to be a, not just a functioning member of society, but has the vision and the goal of the ideal member of the polis. Yes. And so that's everything from uh, informational, uh, education to character formation to having them uh, uh, love what is lovable and hate what is uh, what is hate worthy, and uh, with the goal of introducing somebody that can both serve and be served by the community. That's good. Yeah. Any other thoughts on Paideia? Yeah. No. Cool. I mean, it's awesome. Just some, I feel like sometimes we overwork the definition. I think Paideia probably just 
was very much like the word education to the Greeks. Ooh, this is good. So we read lots into it because it's an old word. It's it's kind of it's no. It's, we read lots into it because we need to redeem the the concept of education. Because yeah. education, yes. in more in a modern sense, does not have any of that character formation. It has just give you the facts that you need in order to be sure. to function in the market. Sure, but, but I, I, yeah, I'm just saying I don't think we need to be so careful sure. about the definition because it's like it's education, but add a virtue component and make it more about citizen citizenry. Yeah. It makes me think that we could probably improve all of our episodes by just translating whatever our core topic is into like German or something. And then we can be like, oh, what's the definition of this <laughs> thing in German? When really it's just we use Google Translate to get it. Like it makes it sound way more profound because it's in a different language. That's good. So I think civilizing is a really good word, uh, Graham. So thank you for that. So hmm. what is paideia? Paideia is, yes, the growing up. Uh, but it's also... There are distinctives to growing up in a specific time, place, um, and being a specific type of person. So what is paideia? Paideia is is growing someone up into what it means to be, we're in Austin, Texas in 2019 um, in, in South Austin. Like, what does it mean to be an active member of that society, to be a member of Austin in 2019? If they were to move to Paris, paideia would be different in Paris. Mm-hmm. What it is to be an ideal Parisian is different than what it is to be an ideal Austonian, whatever. You got to tuck your polo shirt into your jeans. Yes, exactly. Yep. <laughs> Which is a part of our uh, part of our dress code. Yep. That's right. But if they were to go and take that outfit anywhere else, they would look kind of silly. Yes. Right. So, um, paideia is unique to a specific culture. So, ideal members of your polis will look different based on where you are. There are certain things that we would say are common across cultures. So, AJ's last episode talking about the virtues. We would say that at least four of those virtues, the classical virtues, we, we kind of agree on. We might use different words for them, but those are generally agreeable. For those who are Christian, we'd say that there are three more religious virtues, but and those are kind of common across people. Part of what it is to be human is to value those things. Can y'all hear the? <laughs> y'all hear the test over the over the mic right now? What a fun a, day to was that a, a was dog. That a barking dog? That's what I thought. That's kind of what it sounded like. Uh, it sound, didn't it sound like test test also? Yeah, but it's a, I mean it's. A, talented it's a talking dog, dog. Yeah. <laughs> i don't know if you could hear that listeners they've been testing our uh pa system all day so you may have just heard a barking dog or a man saying test we, we're not really sure part of what i'm liking about this is this harkens back to the first 10 episodes when like uh the receptionist would like walk it's in full circle yeah that's what mm-hmm. i'm saying like when tony would like an homage to yeah. uh to early episodes mm-hmm. so just keeping it as yeah. professional as possible no matter, <laughs> on episode 100 no matter how far we run there we are so okay so yeah Pidea is education has a anyway, that was, that was very is that, a, is that a, did you just cook up that phrase no that's from alice in wonderland no, is it? yeah um so yeah so Pidea is this growth this education with a moral component to it but also a, a cultural component so uh, someone during the Paideia conference referenced enculturation. I think it's a helpful way of thinking about that word. Okay. That's one big word that will... So, hmm. and the other side of that on Paideia is that there are certain objective things that to grow up... Um, I'm focused mostly on a child growing up into an adult, but even as adults, we're not done developing. Graham said this years ago at this point, uh, and it's always stuck with me. It was it was right after I started at Veritas. He said that we never leave the school of rhetoric, that mm. a student is brought in in ninth grade, but they don't graduate out of it. They remain in that school, um, that advanced school of using grammar, logic, and rhetoric. Um, so we, we remain in that same stage also. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we, we also are being developed. We're also growing in Paideia. Okay, cool. So there are objective things that are right that relate to paideia. Those would be the virtues. Virtues are right. To not do a virtue is a wrong thing. You should not do that. 
we'll get to why I'm belaboring this in a second. Okay. So our second big word is Enneagram. Gentlemen, what is the Enneagram? It's, um, it's a wacky shape. It is a wacky shape indeed. Um, That's what I was going to say too. <laughs> cool shapes. And, uh, it's like, it's, it's like this, uh, out al- this apothecary alchemist symbol. Wait, what? That, uh, that, I don't know. Kind of. It, that <laughs> that <means laughs> corresponds to one of the spheres, right? Uh, wait, let's escalate it quickly. One of the spheres. We're talking about the we're talking about planets right now. Yeah. Wow. Okay. This is cool. I hope so. I guess. How many planets are there? Uh, <laughs> nine. Good talk. Okay. Yeah. If there are, then yes. Does Pluto? Are you including Pluto on that? That's what someone yeah, is like I, I was yelling at their radio right now. So sorry about that. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah. So enneagram is a term you've probably heard thrown around a lot. We talked about it uh, during our January, uh, like our January one New Year's episode. So the Enneagram, the title, the name Enneagram literally just means like nine shape. So the, the, the name is a reference to a nine pointed shape, Enneagram. Those nine points correspond to nine different personality types. And there are some just, I guess, tendencies or things that are common. That order matters. And we'll get into to what that order means. But Thomas, I thought you hated personality tests. Oh, sure. Thanks. So the, the talk at Paideia this year was in many ways a continuation of what ended up being that January New Year's episode, but then also two talks I gave last summer mm-hmm. about the weaknesses, the problems of particularly the Myers-Briggs uh, type indicator. MBTI. That was the mom-daughter team, That's right? That's the mom-daughter yeah. team that... They, um, the daughter wrote mystery novels and then also developed the most popular personality test in the world (laughs) as one does. Uh, you can go back and listen to that if you want to. So it was a critique of Myers-Briggs in particular. It was uh, a critique and pushback on the big five, which is a, a more scientifically popular personality test. And this happened a year ago when I gave this talk at the Paideia conference, someone in the audience while I'm railing against Myers-Briggs asked me, well, what do you think about the Enneagram? And I didn't really know much about the Enneagram. And so I shot off this like quick response about, well, you know, the Enneagram comes from the Evagrius and the Desert Fathers. So it's either the best or the worst personality test. Mm-hmm. Isn't that good? And everyone laughed and then we moved on. And I didn't know anything. But it come to find out, I actually kind of like it. So it's closer to best than it is to worst for me personally. So do I hate personality tests? Yeah. And do they kind of flatten people out? Yeah. But I think there is a flexibility to the Enneagram that's really helpful. Okay. Or it's more like it's a um, similar to Hannenberg's last talk where we were talking about the sins. Like the Enneagram, I'm, I know we'll get more into it, has a certain amount of like just profound insight into just human behavior yes. that you don't even need to say, oh, I'm a three, I'm a five, I'm a seven. It's just, I know people that act in this way. I even myself sometimes act in this way. And the Enneagram gives a lot of license to say, you are going to act in many different ways over the course of your life. And it, give, yes. it, it, it tries to provide some kind of structure, but it, it, it shies away from an optimization of the structure to say like, let's get it, let's put a real fine point on this and really yeah. nail you down. Yeah. I think Graham, you brought this up during the talk that many other personality tests lead us to a false sense of precision where we say you are uh, INTP, you are, high on agreeableness, low on conscientiousness. You are whatever. And even when you use the big five, there are, it's called big five. There are five mm-hmm. measures that are a part of the big five. You're given a percentage number on each one of those. Again, that's a false level of precision. Have you really boiled down that person to five numbers that tell you everything about their personality? Mm-hmm. And I would say no. I would say people are more complicated than five numbers. 
So what does the Enneagram do? The Enneagram says that there is a tendency of how you act most of the time, uh, or more specifically, there is a motivation that drives you most of the time, and that determines your core number, uh, one through nine. And Graham just said this, but even if you don't like the use of numbers, you can there are names for each of these different types. Some people will use colors. Some people will use animals. It doesn't really matter the number. I think that's a helpful thing mm-hmm. to keep in mind. It's more about these tendencies that are across all of them. I feel like an audio media medium is like the worst way to describe this. If you go to enneagraminstitute.com, you can look at the picture and it makes it a lot easier if you have any interest in this. Um, so there are otherwise no- keep listening to this high quality podcast. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, yeah, seriously. Well, I'll give you all the information you need to know for like this topic, but there are some things that looking at a picture will make much easier. Mm. So I'll just run through these nine types again. Hopefully one of them will like make sense to you and if not, you should go read more about it because it's great. Okay. So the, again, this is most of this is from the Enneagram Institute. So anything that sounds really smart comes from them. Probably not from me. The nine types are one, the reformer, the rational idealistic type principle, principled, purposeful, self-controlled and perfectionistic. The two is the helper, the caring interpersonal type, demonstrative, generous, people pleasing and possessive. Three is the achiever, the success oriented, pragmatic type, adaptive, excelling, driven and image conscious. Four is the individualist, the sensitive, withdrawn type, expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, and temperamental. Five is the investigator, the intense, cerebral type, perceptive, innovative, secretive, and isolated. Six is the loyalist, the committed, security-oriented type, engaging, responsible, anxious, and suspicious. Seven is the enthusiast, the busy, fun-loving type, spontaneous, versatile, distractible, and scattered. Eight is the challenger, the powerful, dominating type, self-confident, decisive, willful, and confrontational. And nine is the peacemaker, the easygoing, self-effacing type, receptive, reassuring, agreeable, and complacent. So uh, each person has one of those nine types. And then under conditions of stress, we'll move to a different number. And under conditions of thriving, we'll move to another number. So there's a flexibility in the Enneagram that I find very helpful. So maybe listeners can write in and tell us what we are. And oh, give justifications. I'd be really interested. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. So that, that means I need to not name my type, which, and it was kind of a anyway a running joke through my presentation because I kept referencing my type. So anyway, yeah, right in. That'd actually be really interesting for what you all think we are. Okay, so we're all sevens. Is that, yeah, okay? So what what's the point of all this setup? The point of all this setup is to uh, try and distinguish between things that are objectively true good like true and good and things that are individual differences Mm -hmm. that's like my driving motivation for caring about personality exams or personality tests uh i I remember reading mortimer adler's essay on subjectivity in the syntopicon in the great books of the western world it was just it really challenged me of a lot of things that i thought were right and the only and there was only one way to do them are actually just my individual preferences Uh, it's just me getting frustrated when people see the world differently, want different things out of life. Uh, it's just disagreement. It's not necessarily I'm right there. Can you give an example? So like there's the courage of virtue of the courage. I mean, the virtue of courage, like, but, um, but there's the, the, I think the best way to go about figuring out where we should eat dinner is. Yeah. So yeah, let's, uh, let's do that through the lens of the Indian. Sure. Yeah. So, um, the, so those are the nine different types. I would encourage you to read about them and find one that you identify with. Uh, Again, this talk was mostly in the context of talking to parents about relating with their children. And so a thing that was repeated a lot is that parents should not type their children in the same way that I should not type Graham or AJ. They should come up with that themselves. 
Um, and there were lots of reasons given for that, but it's just, it, it, it is an unhelpful to tell someone this is who you are or to tell, or when, like when Graham tells me he's a nine and I go, no, you're not. I'm telling him, I know you better than you know yourself, which is a very dumb thing for me to do. So why do I keep doing it? Why do I keep doing that? Mm. Okay. It's because I'm a insert the number. No, I don't know. Okay. That's not true. Okay. So, um, how can we then use this tool, this, this personality tool without typing other people? Mm-hmm. That was the kind of the main project of the talk. Okay. So things that are involved in the Enneagram that don't require you to necessarily know the other person's type are first off the three triads. So the nine numbers are, you don't want to mess with the triads. Yeah, gonna, Those guys mess are, you up. they will mess will you up. Go well. Yeah. That's messed up. Okay. So there's the nine pointed shape. And then if you draw a line all the way around, it's a circle. So kind of, usually you see it looking like a circle and the three triads are, uh, the heart triad, the head triad and the gut triad. So, two's, huh? Huh? Yeah. What do you think that lines up? Where with? did we hear? Where have we heard that before? Yeah. Episode mm. one, which is that a song by Alanis Morissette? Head, heart, and gut. Yeah. Um, also, will episode one roll off this epi- this time or with AJ's ep- or with Graham's? Oh, next I episode? asked a great question. Oh, I don't know. Don't know. Anyway, we'll anyway we're out. about to lose episode one, y'all, because we can only have hundred episodes up at a time. Mm-hmm. So go back and download episode one if you want it. Whoa. This has been a bummer. Okay, so, but do you think that's that? I mean, we're sort of hinting at it, but do you think it is uh, a tripartite soul type thing? 100%. That there's yeah. the head, the heart, and the and my, then the appetites. Yeah. The so my snarky comment the about the enneagram being based in the thoughts of Evagrius was meant just as like a I show that I've done some research on this thing, but I do think that uh, what I a thing I appreciate about this tool is that it ties personality again to motivation, and there's a twisting of motivation which the three of us would call sin, but everyone would acknowledge as like brokenness or just like some problem with the world. But that does change how we act. Like our motivation being twisted toward yeah. serving yourself does change how we act. Mm-hmm. So yes. So I guess I'll get to this in a little bit, but Evagrius had eight deadly thoughts and there are nine sins that are identified with the, uh, with the Enneagram as the tendencies of each of the different types. So they are. So the person who who tends towards a number has a corresponding sin that they tend towards. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Yeah. So, and this might lead to some back and forth because this will contradict the the thoughts of Gregory the Great that there's a progression to these sins. So the hope he's not listening. I know. Awkward. So the thought here is that each of the different types is tempted toward a different sin, and this. I don't think I went through this list in the presentation because this is almost always how the Enneagram is presented. Mm-hmm. You're this one type. This is the thing you struggle with and it's bad. Mm-hmm. Like, so don't do this. But way. you think that's, that's too simplistic. I think it's too simplistic, but I think it also misses the fact. I just think there's plenty of condemnation already. Like what, uh, what people were like really engaged by in the presentation were like the, good parts that each of the different nine types have. Cause mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's talked about as much, but we'll, I guess we'll get through all these. Okay. So what are the sins that are associated with each of these types? Let's do that. So the, you could, could you list the type and then we try to guess the sin? Oh, sure. So tell us again about the type. Cause it'd okay. be, I think it'd be beneficial. Cause I, I still don't have those things memorized. That's fine. Let's like, tell us the type and then we'll, we'll figure it out. Okay. Number one is the reformer. They are the rational idealistic type principled, purposeful, self-controlled and perfectionistic pride. No. Uh, greed. No. 
Uh, Number one, the one's tendency is toward anger. So uh, the one wants the world to be a certain way, and when it's not that way, they are not happy yeah, about that. Okay. And it's okay. just funny. In talking, like, rough. Um, ones will often not identify their emotion as anger. They'll describe it as some sense of, like, righteous justice. Gotcha. But it will. Or dissatisfaction. Dissatisfaction. But it will read as anger to okay. those around them. Okay. So the okay. two. The two is the caring, interpersonal type, demonstrative, generous, people-pleasing, and possessive. Gre- is- this one's greed. Mm. Possessive. People-pleaser. Uh, people ple- uh. People-pleaser? I think three oh. is vainglory, so I'm, I'm saving that one. And this one sounds like vainglory. They want approval from others, but uh, maybe lust? I'm waiting for that guess. Okay, so give me your final answers. Lust. And <laughs> Graham just shrugged his shoulders. <laughs> the two's tendency is toward pride. So... The two. This game's too hard. Well, y'all wanted to play it. I didn't this. Don't get on my I'm case. having a great time. I'm glad to hear it. I'm not competitive. So the, well, I guess we'll get into this later. But the two is oriented externally, and they are extra, they are oriented toward the. So they're in the heart triad. So oriented toward emotion, and they have a um, an external point of reference. So when that external emotion. Um, it's all about them making other people feel happy. And when they do or don't feel happy, that reflects on them. So either they're awesome for doing that or they suck because they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So it's pride. Mm-hmm. It's, all those okay. things reflect back gotcha. on yeah. them. Okay. Uh, number th- three. So three is the achiever, right? Three is the achiever. The success-oriented, pragmatic type, adaptive, excelling, driven, and image conscious. So this this sounds like it's vainglory, wanting praise from other people. But mm. I don't know if vainglory is one of the sins on there. I'm going to say envy. It, it So... The the word I have on here is deceit. I guess I would put that closer to vainglory. Um, you. Uh, so put it on like the board. A quarter of a point to Graham. <laughs> so y'all are crushing it. So the three will uh, will put on whatever mask is necessary to. The winds don't have to be pretty, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, yeah, a quarter of a point to zero is looking great right now. But we'll do whatever they need to to um, appeal to others to get a, like they'll change themselves to get that approval from other people. Um, so they, again, part of the heart triad, um, but they, it's not an external point of, I don't know. They want to please people. I guess it's the easiest way. I'll just leave it at that. Otherwise I start rambling. Four is the individualist, the sensitive withdrawn type, expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed and temperamental. What's um, you said pride was the last one though, right? Pride was number two. Pride was the yeah. second. Yeah. Sadness. funny that sadness is not included as one melancholy um yeah acedia i think acedia is number nine though i don't know guys i don't want to ruin this for you oh um i have no idea okay envy for the four Mm. so the four is oriented toward the past and um a part of the heart triad so emotions looking toward the past uh you'll often hear about fours who kind of look back and see how things could have been or wish they could have been four is a heart triad Four is in the heart triangle. Oh, okay. So two, three, four is heart. Five, six, seven is head. Mm. Nine, one is gut. So envy, yes. Okay. So they see how other people live and have, and anyway, they see that other people's lives are easier. So that's the envy of the four. Number five is the investigator, the intense cerebral type, perceptive, innovative, secretive, and isolated. So what, what do we got left? We got gluttony. We got lust. We got. 
Um, Actually, let me. I can. Do you want me to list? Well, there's nine of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, lust, sloth, fear, gluttony, greed. Ah, I think five is fear because yeah, you want to know fear. everything, and if you don't know things, you're scared. Five is greed. Oh, Fives acquire things. This game sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Again, y'all think <laughs> yes, we are crushing this. Anyway, the five is greed. They are so head-oriented, and they are withdrawing. And so instead of giving things to the world, they hoard things up for themselves. So they learn and learn and learn, mm. but don't want to, like, contribute any of that to the world. Like Saruman in like the tower. Saruman in the tower. Mm. With his uh, Palantir. Uh-huh. Tell me more. That thing, the Palantir, isn't that the thing that, like, you can use to know. see things? You look through the, the little globe. You look through the little oh, globe, okay. which is why the company Palantir, uh-huh. which is a data security intelligence company, uh-huh. that name is terrifying. Isn't that creepy? Yeah, yeah. I don't like that at all. Well, that's because uh, uh, Peter Thiel knows what he's doing, I well, guess. good for him. Okay. So the six is the loyalist, the committed, security-oriented type, engaging, responsible, anxious, and suspicious. So is this one fear? I don't know. AJ, what do you think? I'm going to say fear. It is fear. Yay. We are one and one ding, quarter ding, to ding. one is currently our score. <laughs> so crushing it. So yes, fear. So um, sixes are uh, in the head triad and focused externally. So they, they think about, they like there's a, just get stuck in their head of like all the things that could go wrong. They, they see all of those things happening around them. Uh, so that mm-hmm. leads to a fear of how things could happen. Seven is the enthusiast, the busy, fun-loving type, spontaneous, versatile, distractible, and scattered. So your choices left are lust, right, gluttony, lust, and envy. sloth. I'm going to go lust. I'm going to say lust as well. All right. It is gluttony. Oh, so that the, makes sense but Dang it. <laughs> so the seven will see things and just go after them. So whatever they want, they just they just do it. They just go after it. And so it lead, and the seven also will focus only on positive emotions. And so at the at any threat of negativity, sadness, whatever, they will mask that. Just go by eat some ice cream. Go into the next thing exactly, or um, I don't know, starting a new business, or dating a new person, or like name your thing. They just kind of like leave the negative and then go toward whatever the. You gotta leave the negative. Yeah. You just gotta leave it. What's the problem here? Yeah, I don't who see wants to be issues. negative? Uh, <laughs> because you only have access to half of your emotional range. Mm. And whatever that. Uh, yeah, but it's the be- It's the good half. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> no, what's that uh, Moby Dick quote about? Like, uh, you know, the eagle flies higher if it goes through oh, the valley. I will find okay, it. Good. It's worth reading. Yeah, it's, anyway. So I think that's the problem with the seven is that they. There's a shallowness to life if you only experience the upper half. Um, yeah, it, but it, my, my Instagram feed is huge. Oh, good for you. This is so. Yeah, I I don't I don't want to spoil my type if we're actually going to uh, have people email us. But there is a value to sadness that uh, the seven mm. just kind of like naturally misses out on. Okay, the eight is the challenger, the powerful, dominating type, self confident, decisive, willful, and confrontational. Your two options left are lust and sloth. I, I think lust. Uh, my only way to win this is to say sloth. It is lust. So. <sighs> Well done, Graham, at two and one quarter versus one point. Okay, so the eight uh, pushes through, accomplishes what they put their mind to. They, I mean, that's what makes them a challenger. They move against people, so they're part of the um, aggressive. um, It's kind uh, of disturbing that their sin is is lust. Sounds like kind of, uh, I don't know, like. uh, But it's they want something and they get it. I know, that's but that's kind of like dark and sad. As are, I guess, all the types, yeah. but, um, hmm. and all of them have kind of this misunderstood side, which we for sure will not have time to get into today. Okay. That leaves us with nine, which is the peacemaker, the easygoing, self-effacing type, receptive, reassuring, agreeable, and complacent, which, uh, the sin that is associated with that is. Cedia. Is a Cedia, is sloth. So 
The uh, nine is in the gut triad, but they are asleep to that gut. They are asleep to that um, anger or like motivation to do action. And so in desiring to help everyone around them, sometimes it's easier just to like remove themselves, like to be away from themselves to avoid any conflict. So that's the nine sloth. They just kind of disappear. Okay. So what was I trying to get at earlier? Each of these nine types are also split into one of three triads. The uh, twos, threes, and fours are in the heart triad. Five, sixes, and sevens are in the head triad. And eights, nines, and ones are in the gut triad. A piece of what the triad tells us is how those different types see and interpret the world. So twos, threes, and fours primarily understand the world through emotions. They see the emotions of others. They see their own emotions. That's how... If you were to tell them a story, that's what they would focus on in the story are the emotions, how they think people feel, how that impacts others. That's how they see the world. What I am arguing for at this point is that this is an individual difference that is amoral. That this is not a good thing or bad thing. Not good or bad. This is just this type happens to see the world this way. You could pre- you could prefer it or not, but and that's but what that, I'm getting but, at. Yeah, but it's not it's not a bad. So people that see the world through emotions, if you are someone's like, oh man, I don't do that, and yeah. I find that to be but distasteful. Yeah. So um, so the next try is five, six, and sevens. I only moved to that one to say I can't talk about this without referencing my type. So I am in the head triad, and so. What, what does that mean? The head triad is working primarily through the mind, through what we would call being rational, whatever. I mean, I would call it rational, but people who are in the other triads would call theirs rational also. But I, I, I approach the world through thought, um, through thinking a thing through, not primarily through emotions or actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think of this often when I read, when I, when you watch a YouTube video and you hear about someone being irrational, Someone else is focused on emotions. I'm not on, focused on, not on YouTube. This is awkward. Always on YouTube. Um, but I think both <laughs> of those are um, individual differences. One is not necessarily better than the other. Emotions need a rational component, but a mind also needs a heart mm-hmm. to accompany it. And both of them require gut. Both of them require action, that third triad of eights, nines, and ones. So they are so. is there a part of the Enneagram that is to like balance or encapsulate or somehow like control or tame all nine of these things yeah. or is it more no you are a no yeah the um the the purpose of the enneagram is not solely to type yourself mm-hmm. the enneagram it isn't it, well whatever it, it's all about you but it's not all about you mm-hmm. so typing is an important step but typing is mostly to show you your blind spots mm-hmm. it's not as an excuse toward you know, because I'm a four, I can be as dramatic as I want to be mm-hmm. as a five. It's okay that I withdraw from other people. Like, or because I'm a seven, I can be all flighty and, it's, and I can jump and, and focus on my fun stuff. Exactly, of course, of course I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm a seven, you yeah, guys. Right. And so you can be descriptive and say, yeah, I'm tempted toward this, but you should phrase it that way mm. because it's not, <laughs> those are not good things. Uh, so the Enneagram is, so what helped me is that I would never have thought of myself as having uh, a tendency toward greed, which is the sin of the five. But then in doing study and in, in understanding myself as a five, I, I just, it, I see it now. I see that I buy book after book after book and I don't actually read them, but it feels good to have collected those things that um, I've been given collectibles by family members and I don't really want to get rid of them. I want to hold them. I want to hold on to them and not use them, but just to have them. Um, hey, you gave me some of your coffee today, mate. <laughs> there you go. I so I'm trying it. to be somewhat uh, giving with that. Um, so 
there are problems identified with each type, but there are certain, again, amoral differences. Part of that would be how we see the world. Mm -hmm. Now, just it is helpful to understand how you primarily see the world so that you can augment that with the other triads that if you're only focused on the emotions of others, but you don't think through the consequences of responding, uh, that, that is a lesser reaction than if you brought in both your head and your mind, mm. or I'm sorry, your head and your heart. Same with it. You can have a great emotional response. You can accurately analyze a situation and then not do anything. Mm-hmm. That would be a weaker response than if you brought in all three. All I'm saying here, there's nothing really new here compared to tripart, oh, yeah. tripartite or mm-hmm. tripartite? Tripartite. Tight. There's no difference here between... Um, don't ask you, me. I don't know how to spell things. Thank you. <laughs> so As we all know. Uh, nightmare. Oh, man. So there's no difference between what the Enneagram is saying, what the tripartite soul would say, that uh, you probably have one of those three that's primary in you, but you need all three of them to be a complete person. So there, there's an agreement between those two things. You want to read that quote? Is that what you pulled up? No, I, I was I was agreeing with you that yeah. like I, I I'm firmly in the head triad and and I my my deficiency in heart is obvious. Yes. Like it's it's for me it's a problem. Yes. Um when other people are feeling things, I don't feel them. Yeah. And I, I want to approach perhaps like relational and emotional situations yeah. in a headway. And yes. so when when I have like parents who are feeling a really, really heavy emotion and they come, I want to solve the problem and address their arguments and deal with it that way. When in reality, what I should do is say like, I hear you and I I see that you're having trouble at home and let me express some support for you and support you emotionally. I'm, it's, it's like a real deficiency that I deal with in life. And we can, and there are tools that will help us adapt to those things. So I, as a five tend to be doing repressed, but I have, uh, I mean, I, just, I went through years of like uh, being really into GTD, getting things done, have a really solid system for how I track things that need to be done and make sure the right stuff is in front of me all the time. Like I have a system that has had has uh, accommodated my weakness. Did you use Evernote for your GTD? I used Evernote for a long time. Um, I forget the name of it. I think it's the Secret Weapon Manifesto, which sounds horrible, but it's <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Anyway, it's about it makes you sound like it makes you sound like like a Bond villain. I know. Yeah. Sorry. What, what yeah. kind of internet site did yeah, you find geez, that on? Like, uh, uh, Anarchist cookbook. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My wife used to, when she was living in New York, live next to um, the Anarchist bookstore up there. And so, anyway. I have some Anarchist books. Yeah, see, did, did I tell you guys about this? No. They're on your shelf. I, I used see. to, uh, yeah, I have Were a you an anarchist? No, I, I worked at a coffee shop right next to the train tracks. Mm-hmm. And they we used to get the anarchist train riders all the, all oh, the time cool. through. And it's like a nomadic people of America that don't really have any missionary mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. Because they, they move around all the time and they never stay in one place long enough to establish... Um, Establish community, communi- community, and 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 sort of church relationships. And so I wanted when I had dreadlocks down on my waist, I wanted to be a missionary to him and ride That's trains cool. in the summer. But that'd be cool. Um, I didn't. Okay. And now it's I'm never a church to a completely different people group. Yeah, that's true. Never too late to grow out your dreads again. Yep. Okay. That, yeah, it is. It's hot down here. No, it's so actually, hot. That's a good point. Okay. So what's point number one? Point number one: three different ways of seeing the world, primarily primarily through emotions, primarily through like thought, and primarily through action. Okay, that's thought one. Thought two, tied in with those three triads, is that there are uh, twistings. Those are there are negative sides of all of those triads. Mm-hmm. So, um, someone a two, three, or four has the potential to struggle with some form of shame. So, because they're so focused on emotions, mm. um, they can see how those emotions impact them, leading them to shame. A someone in the head triad, thinking a lot inside of their head, can develop fear. So sometimes you'll hear the head triad called the fear triad. 
And same with the gut triad. So the gut triad is oriented toward action, but sometimes it is hard to accomplish your goal if you're only focused on your own action. So sometimes you'll hear the gut triad called the anger triad. So each of those three amoral differences have a negative downside. Um, I don't know if I'd call it shame, fear, and anger. Anger clearly would fall under a sin category, but I'm just trying to see if there's a difference between like... Fear does. Yeah. Fear is like a lack of faith. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so then these are... We'll put these as actually immoral. Mm -hmm. Is that right? But, but those are but those aren't things that we necessarily do. It's just Correct. this is the possible downfall of your personality yes. type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a risk. There's a uh, a threat of falling into shame. Fear, or see it as it, it's like a signal. Like yeah. if someone is consistently fearful or consistently yeah. angry or consistently sh ashamed, then that then if you can see that in your own behavior, then that can sort of lead you into this and say like, okay, well, there's there's bright spot. You know, there's, there's yeah. like. You found the right, you, you know, you found something that is true. Now we can build off of that and talk more about yeah. the, the reciprocals that can maybe bring some health in life. Yes. I guess I struggle with the shame triad of calling that out specifically, but I think there, but there are some people that just don't struggle. That don't that uh, feeling shame is not a thing that happens yeah. a lot. Yeah. Or I think uh, yeah, that is true. I also, um, I think there's great wisdom to, not all sadness is sin, but there mm -hmm. is a category of it that is. Mm -hmm. um, and so being open to that possibility, I think, is helpful. But you should not jump in and say, oh, you're sad. You need to repent immediately. Mm -hmm. Okay. So amoral difference of how they see the world. There's a twisting of each of those, which leads to kind of a sin tendency that is more likely for those different types. There's another way of looking at the, the nine types and grouping them. And those are based on stances. So stances are whether a person moves. So the three stances are dependent, aggressive, and withdrawing. And what those three mean is that there's a type of person that moves toward others when they're under stress. There's a type of person that moves against others when they're in stress. And there's a type that moves away from others when they're under stress. There's a, oh man, I can't remember the poet. Um, but he, he uh, there, there, there's this line that I have in my complex book, but I can't remember who said it. And it's like, some men wither, um, some men fester, and some yeah. men explode. Yeah. You know, yeah. That kind of idea. That's idea. Yeah. yeah. I like that a lot. Oh, that is. That's a good one. I like the way it put. That's that's a good concrete. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> that that was that some poet said it. It's real good. Yeah, I like it. Graham. I'm going to mm -hmm. write that. Was it in wither? Some people, some men wither, some men fester, some men explode. So does that correspond mm -hmm. exactly to yours? The. Let's Some men move well, against. The wither is the, the, wither is the, is withdraw. the withdraw. withdraw. The fester is the... Um, that's toward, though. Yeah. But explode would be against, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but let's, let's try it as we go through. So the types that move toward others are called the dependent types. or the Yeah, the dependent numbers. Those are ones, twos, and sixes. Um, they are, they have an external reference point. We reference that if you I feel like that would be more fester because it's like you're living with it. It's always yeah. with you. It's, and then against is the, so that, that, that's the two or no, uh, I don't know. We'd have to explode it against yeah. and then withers withdraw. Especially yeah. for ones and sixes. Anyway, I could definitely see that. Um, so that would be, did you say fester? I think that would be close. We'd have to that. workshop yeah. it. <laughs> no, but I like it though. So, uh, this type, uh, tends to be thinking repressed. Um, so, and what that means is that these types will think a lot. It's not that they don't think it's that it's not productive thinking. I will get to this with the withdrawing type, but like I, uh, as a five, I plan on doing action. Like I think about action a lot, but I just don't do a whole lot. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing repressed, which we'll get to eventually. So these ones, twos and sixes, uh, they have an external reference point, um, which is again, 
I would say is an amoral difference that you kind of do want people to be thinking of others. Like that's not a bad thing to mm-hmm. be considerate of others. They are, they tend to be oriented toward the present. So they either see what needs to be done in the moment or what is wrong with the moment, but they are oriented toward the present, which again, I would offer as an amoral difference that we do need, like there are changes that need to be made today. There are things that are wrong today that need to be focused on. So I want to push back on that. Mm-mm. Okay. So next is the withdrawing type. So mm-hmm. those are the ones that move away, which I think wither would fall under mm-hmm. this one. Uh, they, uh, fours, fives and nines are doing repressed. And maybe I guess I'd say the repression on each of these is a problem. That is a thing that needs to be dealt with. Um, so that's not an amoral difference, but, uh, having an internal reference point is not necessarily a wrong thing. Like someone being introspective is a good thing. We want some level of introspection, for our students, for ourselves, um, for our coworkers. So, um, the, again, doing repressed, uh, fours, fives and nines might look like they're very active, but usually they're not doing what actually needs to be done. Um, there's a very funny story of a, uh, a five who I'm friends with who, uh, during a holiday was supposed to be, I think packing so they could take like, I don't know, some, tor- some sort of vacation. And instead of doing the packing, he sharpened every knife in his house. <laughs> Now, to him, felt very important, but Mm -hmm. didn't actually need to happen, Mm -hmm. especially not at that moment, days before they were leaving for, I don't know where they were going. Um, That's a very typical five thing. Well, when you get home, are you going to want dull knives or sharp knives? Again, Mm -hmm. I'm going to want sharp knives. You're speaking my language. Instead of... um, Put things in the right places. Yeah. Yeah, This is boring. In the the weeks leading up to uh, my wife delivering our child, um, instead of like, you know, packing up the things we needed for the hospital bag or getting the car seat in the car or like anything that's actually important, I was selling my childhood collectibles. Like that that is what consumed my time because it felt so important to happen to clear out clutter before we had the kid. It wasn't important. Anyway, here we are. Okay. I wish I knew that was happening. I, I could have bought some Magby memorabilia. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's terrifying. And actually, I'm glad I didn't sell it to you all now. Okay, good. <laughs> um, the fours, fives, and nines of withdrawing tend to be oriented toward the past. And again, I would offer that as just a difference. It, it, it is good to be thoughtful of the past, to remember where we came from, lessons we've learned, whatever that quote is of those who forget history are condemned to repeat it. There's a value to having the past in mind. So those are the withdrawing types. And then threes, sevens, and eights are in the aggressive stance. They move against others. And that's the, what was the other one? Is the one that it sounds like explosion, but is there's, it? There's a uh, fester. There's fester, there's move explode, against there's explode. wither. Explo- explode. 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 Yeah, explode. Yeah, explode. Mm-hmm. So I'd say explode for aggressive. What are you trying to say, Maggie? Are you yeah, trying geez, to say that these, yeah, these types are... Yeah. So these, uh, which, the seven, which AJ... I think you think you are. Don't you think you're a seven? I have been told I'm a seven. But see, that's whoa, whoa. We're ruining the game. What? We're ruining. Oh, sorry, I wasn't. I I think I've made it pretty clear what I am. We've talked about it before, right? I know. I'm sorry. My bad. I guess. Yeah, loyal listeners will actually already tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. No. Uh, I don't think I can know if you're wrong. Okay. The three sevens and eights are aggressive. They want to reshape the world. They are feeling repressed. Um, and so accurate. And again, with the seven, it's that they lack the range of feeling. And the same with an eight. The the eight has this. They're either passionate or they're not passionate. Like it looks like emotion, but it's not the full range of human emotion. Uh, and so there's kind of an it's like a pantomime. It's sort of like one note. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one note. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And same with the seven. It's either um, super happy or um, I guess sevens can't. Anyway, sevens, when they like fall out of that super happiness, it can be really hard sometimes for them. Um, I know that's something that's written about. Okay. So three sevens and eights, they move against others. They want to reshape the world. They are oriented toward the future. 
uh, oriented toward the fun thing they'll do in the future, toward reshaping the future, toward being away from this present moment. And again, there's a value in looking toward the future, planning for the future, having some vision for how things could be, uh, motivating others with that. There's value in orientation toward the future. But when it's separated and not paired with the past and present, it, it is lesser. So again, I'd say it's amoral, but still inferior to having a combination of all three. But I think it's really hard. I think it's really hard for a person to do all three of them well. Mm-hmm. So typically you should have three people, right? You should have different types of people working together um, to make sure you cover all these different things. Like bases. a five, a seven, and a nine. I mean, it just works. This is, this we is have why no heart. So two head and a gut. So who needs heart in a podcast? Well, okay. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, this is why we have so many people on our on our thesis deliberation team, right? Because yes, because I I am deficient in certain areas. Yes, uh, and mm-hmm. this is this is shown up like my exact problems when there is yeah. a, an intro that aims at emotion and I don't feel it. I'm like they failed, and right. everyone else in the room says it landed with them, and I'm yeah. like apparently I just don't. Like we have, we have a word for it. We call it hand and bot and when I'm, when I'm not feeling things. And it's like, I would have, if it was up to me said, you have done a poor job with this portion, Yes. but it has reached what, let's say 80% of mm-hmm. its listeners. Right. And so people are crying, people yep. are crying and feeling feelings and I'm feeling nothing and thinking it's cheesy. And it's the problem is reflecting on me, not the writer. Right. But that's, that's not only, so like, uh, I, as a withdrawing type, my tendency is going to be, if anyone does anything aggressive, I want to leave that situation. I don't want to engage in that situation. And so for someone to make an aggressive comment makes me feel threatened in some way because I want to get away from it. But again, you, it, if someone else is willing to meet that aggression, it doesn't bother them in the same way. So yeah, I feel like it's strong and controversial and that's yeah, fine. That's yeah. what a kid should and be I, doing on stage. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's why like, there is no unbiased viewing of any, thesis of any uh, presentation we give of any uh, of anything. There's no unbiased viewing of any of those things. We have a lens through which we view all of those things. Um, and there are some that we like more than others, some that are more resonant or just closer to our personality. So, okay. So just to get closer to landing. So we've gone through the um, three triads. So the three ways of interpreting the world, we've gone through the three stances of like what you do under stress of whether you move toward against or away from others. We talked a while ago about the sin tendency of those nine numbers, which can be helpful in understanding which of those nine maybe you, you see in yourself. What was mine again? Seven? Uh, seven is fear. No. Nope. Seven is gluttony. So seven mm. is just want to consume a lot. Not con- Again, it's not gluttony in the literal go eat food, though it could be that. It's the gluttony of experience. Of, oh, that sounds accurate. Yeah, wanting, that's, yeah that's me. Yeah, wanting <laughs> to soak up the world. Yeah. Um, and so again, the Enneagram very often is used to talk about all the bad stuff, which, which is useful. Like you need to know your blind spots. You need to know your weaknesses, but I don't think you achieve any form of greatness by only not doing bad stuff. You, you get there by doing good stuff, by doing great stuff. Mm -hmm. And so each of these nine types, um, has some sort of excellence tied to it. Uh, you sometimes call the, see these called attributes of God or like of the divine or whatever, depending on how woo-woo of a source you're looking at. Um, but there is a source of greatness that is pointed to by each of these nine. And I think we'll, I'll go through these and then um, wrap up. So the one who we talked about is oriented toward action and as an external point of reference for that action um, does show us that there is the possibility of perfection that there is actually a possibility of the world being better than it is now. Um, and they're capable of bringing, 
some piece of that into the world of making like of in fact making the world a better place than when they got here and when because they, they have a so the characteristic of a god is the vision that god is the what the perfect creator or that he's made a perfect he's made he a good is, creation or he, he is in he fact is perfect. perfect yeah 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 and so if we have a reflection or we we have a an internal um um sort of um understanding of perfection yeah. then then that is the the thing that the number was this number ones. This That's one. the thing that number yeah. ones can to. offer or point to. Yeah. is you know it is not too late to see, not too late to seek a better world. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, at every point. The, Another poet, not me. No, that was still good. Tennyson. Um, you had to quit telling us. You'd have oh, like yeah. all our listeners and be like, yeah. "That Graham, I can see that poet and scholar." The twos uh, again. They are externally oriented in the heart triad, so emotion felt toward others. Um, they show us the compassion of God. They show us that it is actually better to care for others, to um, be aware of the needs of others, to help, like, to want to um, yeah, be aware and, like, sensitive to those needs. Um, the threes show us the harmony of God, that uh, God does not desire, like, a conflict among his people. There's, there's this, like, um, self-giving nature of threes where they're changing who they are to meet what the other person wants. Uh, and, and that's like loving when you phrase it that way, it's not manipulative. It's the three wants to give that to the other person. Um, and so that's, they want to create a harmony between, um, between them in the same way that God desires a harmony with us. God desires, um, that none should perish, that all should be with him. Mm -hmm. Um, fours, um, I, I shared this, talk with a few friends and so i'll try and incorporate some of their opinions what i what i said originally is that fours point fours are very comfortable with melancholy they're very comfortable with sadness and they don't need that sadness to be fixed right away they're comfortable sitting in that sadness and so part of what they point to is that we should be sad for um in the christian worldview that we have a divine origin that divine origin has been broken we've been like there's a twisting of it because of the fall. And we should be sad that we live in a fallen world and not in that, in the perfected Eden that we could have uh, mm -hmm. been a part of. So there's a sadness there, but then there's also the, the side of it that the four is okay. Sitting in that sadness with a person, um, think of the, the story of Job that the only guy who, what's the guy's name who just sits there for seven days instead of actually saying anything like the last guy, I yeah, can't remember his name. Guy, yeah. Like that, um, that, that, um, that God is, is like with us in those dark, sad moments. And he's not just trying to like make us happy to get out of it, but he's with us in the sorrow. Um, what a four shows hmm. us. The five shows us the omniscience of God, that um, God does in fact know everything, um, that we are capable of knowing much more than we do right now. We're capable of growing in that, in that characteristic of, of knowing. The six, um, what I said at the talk is that the, the six who is aware of things externally and thinking about them all the time, sees all the problems around them and they're capable of preparing for that. And in the same way, like they're capable of becoming in a sense, I use the word dangerous, but I mean that in the sense of like, they're ready for anything. Like if you've planned for everything, you have all the skills and no matter what happens, you're ready for that moment. There's a safety in that. Like there's a boy a, scout. Yeah. 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 There's a strength in that. Or like I, well, one of those wacky of, survivalists. Right. Or I think of, um, the, person who sits next to me who used to be a firefighter mm -hmm. like if, if any medical problem happens he is going to be prepared for that moment mm -hmm. and it's because he's planned and practiced it over and over again mm -hmm. um so what do we see we see we see strength we see safety um some will point to and say faith because you can see these problems and trust them to god um but i'm gonna go with strength and safety um the seven is um 
shows us um, the freedom of God, that God is not constrained to have to do anything that um, God can do as God as God wants. In the same way that the seven has this like this this freedom, this lightness, this like this um, this fun about them that they can. Not, One could even say charm. Charm, just like uh, incredible, that. just like perfection. Just, just no, probably good looking. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. That, but just this affable nature. <laughs> but the seven is it's really people friendly. Want, and people loyal. want to be around sevens. That's, the, the that's running, true. The running joke in uh, <laughs> whatever. If you if you listen to people talk about sevens, uh, that sevens are the only type that are happy to find out that they are. A seven. <laughs> They're the only type that's happy to find out who they are. Every other type is like, like eh, that's not me. Yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, I don't want to be that. Um, yeah, I like being a seven. Exactly. Yeah, seven just sounds like really fun. Um, I'm like <laughs> fives. Anyway, so uh, they show us that freedom that um, that if things aren't good, they can kind of move on to the like. It's good that they don't get bogged down. Like that seems like a healthy thing to do. The eights uh, show us that um, God is truth. That when they fight and push through and and accomplish something that no one else thought was possible, they were right that that thing ought to have existed in the world and they made that thing happen. Mm-hmm. And the nine shows us um, self-emptying love. It's true. They show us um, selflessness mm-hmm. and, again, willing to um, uh, give what other um, other people. It's like nine's, nine's superpower is the ability to see from all of the different perspectives, the, yeah. the, the eight perspectives, um, and then um, kind of like match that, like do for the other person um, what they need. And my self-emptying love. Is, exactly, uh, thank you. Know, good. Y'all are mom. wonderful. Okay. So those are the nine types. Just, again, um, this has been reiterated. Um, the paideia portion is that there are objective things that should be taught as right and wrong. Uh, the, the virtues should be taught as right. The, the vices should be taught as wrong. There, there's no, you know, I'm a, a courageous person. All of us are supposed to be courageous. There's no, I'm a prudent person. We're all supposed to be prudent. But there are differences of what are, um, there are individual differences of whether we see emotionally uh, with our head or with or through actions of whether we're oriented toward uh, moving toward people, moving against people, moving away from people. Um, there are individual differences there that shouldn't be taught as right and wrong necessarily. There are right and wrong ways of using them, but those differences are not right and wrong in and of themselves. So paideia is to, what does the title get at? The paideia is to show that there are things that are objective, and then Enneagram is to say there are parts that are subjective. Mm-hmm. So, that's all I got, boys. That's good. So, I mean, like, just maybe last little thing. What would, what would you think is like the practical, helpful thing to do for someone to do that listens to this and they're like, oh my goodness, there's a lot here. It seems psychologically d- deep. Like, it seems like there's a lot of truth to this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, is it just to like read all about the types? I mean, yeah. Again, so for for me, it's to read it's like about knowledge, the types, experience. But... Like, do you live this? Do you learn this? Like, how do you? No, I think this is a thing to start noticing in yourself mm. and start noticing in others. Uh, it has been very helpful for me to understand the different motivations of the nine types to see, you know, someone who's doing something I wouldn't do mm. isn't being a mean or bad person. Gotcha. They're just seeking after something else. Um, and so the, I think the Enneagram is most helpful in, in learning compassion for uh, your child, for your friend, for your spouse, understanding that they're not coming from a place of, uh, trying to like tear you down ignorance or immaturity yeah, it's or not that it's yeah. that um they're in the same in the same way you have a motivation that's just kind of different from other people mm-hmm. so do they mm. so um i think the the most helpful kind of just first thing to start with is to notice triads is to notice are you talking with someone who is focused on emotions someone who's focused on 
um, head knowledge or someone who's focused on action. Gotcha. Uh, and then typically you, you'll want to match whatever way that they're talking. Mm. Interesting. That's especially good for teachers and counselors. Yes. And, yeah. yeah. It's like a good mental model just to have in your head to try to not filter, but to frame behavior. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, triad. So is probably the easiest one. And then also orientation to time. So being mm. aware of whether who you're talking to is talking about present, past, future, and then matching what they're talking about. Gotcha. Because if you have a kid that is not future oriented and you keep talking about like, well, you're going to have to learn this for college. Right. And they're like, they won't care. They won't care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you can pull it to the present and say, you're going to lose your car if mm-hmm. you don't do whatever, mm-hmm. then that is much more powerful for them. Gotcha. Right. Hmm. Cool. Cool. Well, this has been episode 100. Boys, we did it. We're going to go and treat ourselves to a celebratory ice cream, uh, uh, yeah. as we should always do at the end of a large something or other. Truth. Just made that up. Um, okay. So you can check us out on our website at classicalstuff.net. You can email us at classicalstuff at veritasacademy.net. You can tweet at us, C-L-S-S-C-A-L stuff. That's our spot. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear if there are any Centenary members out there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's folks who've listened to all 100. We'd love to get to know you. Tell us about yourself. Um, we'll reply if we can. And so sometimes that's tricky because we all three have the email three, address. Yeah. So I don't, you know, mm-hmm. somebody will, re- yeah, anyway. I don't think, I, have I sent a reply from that email before? I don't, I don't know. know. I, well, anyway, I don't know if I ever have. I'll that's get better one day. Anyway, we we love that you guys listen. We are happy to have you listeners. Um, we would probably still do this anyway, even if no one was listening. But it makes it a lot more fun when, yep, when sure. we know people are on the other end of this. So thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Fui, fui. Bye. Fui, fui. Bye. Bye.